Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for listening to the late-breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome to the late-breaking Formula One podcast. My name is Ben Hocking, alongside me Samuel Sage and Harry Yee to review the Hungarian Grand Prix, round three of the 2020 championship. There's another win for Lewis Hamilton, his eighth win at the Hungaroring, matching a record by Michael Schumacher for most Grand Prix victories at an individual circuit. He takes the championship lead back as a result of that. Guys, uh, Sam, I'll start with you on this one. Um, Mercedes, is an unbeaten season based on what we've seen today and the first two races, is it feasible? This car is ridiculously dominant. I mean, I take my cap off to Max Verstappen, even though he managed to bin it before the race began. The man drove his absolute socks off, didn't he? He really took took it to the to the top guys. He's still far off Lewis Hamilton, but with Valtteri Bottas struggling like that, I think the Mercedes can do the whole season unbeaten. It's more if reliability stays in check, which usually for Mercedes' sake it does, and if the drivers don't make any further mistakes. If, if Bottas has a, a couple more dodgy races, maybe that lets Red Bull back in the door. Hamilton realistically look, has looked pretty unbeatable during race conditions. Um, of course, that one slip-up in Austria at the start wasn't really enough to dampen the fact that he now leads the championship and, as you just said, then matches Schumacher's record for most wins at a single track. Honestly, this Mercedes is possibly one of the best Formula 1 cars we have ever seen. And that says a lot when a team has dominated for as many years as Mercedes have, but this could be the absolute creme de la creme of Formula 1 race cars. It's highly possible. I'd almost kind of love to see it happen just because... Breathtaking, incredible record to see. What a moment in history. We already know they're going to win, so why not set a record in the meantime? Um, yeah, it could definitely happen. Yeah, to me, you've, you've kind of got two stages of Mercedes and Hamilton in the hybrid era. Um, and the, the 2014 to 2016 stretch, uh, the Rosberg years, you could say, they were so dominant in those years. Arguably, Hamilton is even better now than he was then and doesn't quite have the teammate 
Um, we'll get on to Valtteri Bottas a bit later on. Arguably right now doesn't have the teammate that he once did um, with Nico Rosberg, of course, taking a championship away from him. Uh, Harry, do you think the, the combination of the might of this car and also how Hamilton's driving at the moment, do you see there being any possible response from someone outside of Mercedes? Uh, I mean, on the, based on performance and... You need a you need a really solid car to be good around Hungary. That, that car just doesn't even look like anyone's going to touch it. Um, Red Bull are still kind of somehow the closest, but that may have been down more to Max and the car. Um, yeah, it's going to take some issues during a race, either reliability or an incident for, I think, anyone to come close. I mean, yeah, it's just bonkers. It is that twenty almost twenty fourteen levels of of um of domination again. So um. Yeah, I, I, I'm not like Sam. I do not want to see it. <laughs> I want someone else to challenge them. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can only admire it. That, that car is just ridiculous. I mean, watching it in qualifying yesterday, there was just nothing close apart from last year's Mercedes. But um, yeah, so it's just an insane car. So I, I don't think on performance alone, and particularly the way Hamilton's driving, um, I don't think there's anyone going to touch them, which is damn depressing. Ah, well. Honestly, Lewis Hamilton going through turn four in qualifying, I still haven't quite got over that. The absolute commitment and the car just glued to the circuit through that corner, which when you compare it to the other cars going through there, not that it was unimpressive from the other cars, not by any stretch of the imagination, but Lewis Hamilton, that Mercedes going through turn four was something to behold. And it speaks volumes that, the racing point, uh, sorry, the <laughs> the Mercedes of last year, also known as the racing point, would have got pole position against everyone else in the field. That just speaks volumes as to as to how much Mercedes, how how what position Mercedes are in. And to that point, Sam, do you think that Mercedes are at all being flattered by Red Bull and Ferrari? Not only not really improving on last year, but arguably not not going backwards, perhaps. I think we need to stop saying Mercedes need to be humble, they need to be flattered. They That team of engineers and designers and aerodynamic capabilities is unfathomably good. And people are moaning and moaning and moaning. Oh, it's another Hamilton se- season. Oh, it's another Mercedes season. Get good, rest of the grid. It's not their fault that they are absolutely dominating the field. It is incredible, the engineering feat that Mercedes have put together. Red Bull have always claimed to be the aerodynamic masters, and Hamilton was nigh on half a, a Grand Prix faster by the time that you know that he pitted three laps from the end. 30 seconds was essentially the gap, and that track's only a 1 minute 17 lap. He was halfway around the track before Verstappen managed to cross the line, for goodness sake. The, the difference is not flattering, for Mercedes at all. They deserve to be where they are. It's almost embarrassing for the likes of Red Bull, for the likes of Ferrari, for the rest of the midfield team to not have had at least a similar level of development between the two seasons. I cannot believe the jump Mercedes have made on top of the car that was already so much better. The fact that the 2019 Mercedes, if you literally just picked it up and put it in the 2020 season, which Racing Point almost have done, but literally with Hamilton in it and whatnot, would have still got pole today over Red Bull, over Ferrari, over Racing Point, over McLaren, whatever you want to say. It's incredible. And the rest of the grid need to improve. We need to stop having a go at Mercedes or saying, oh, you know, they're only good because the rest of the grid's back. No, they are just 
that much better. And the rest of the grid needs to improve. It's it's almost a little bit embarrassing that the amount of money that some teams throw into the sport, they can't even remotely keep up. Is is just bizarre. I don't remember the last time we saw such motorsport dominance from one team. I don't know if it's happened to this level in any motorsport. Um, I'm sure someone in the in the comments on Twitter will be able to tell me that because I'm not uh, an all-seeing eye. But my God, this is historic, I think. Harry, do you think that Mercedes are being made to look slightly better than what they are because of the shortcomings of Red Bull and Ferrari? It's, yeah, kind of with Sam. It's not. It's not um, making them look better. They are just that good, and and you know the likes of Red Bull and Ferrari have. Well, yeah, maybe even Ferrari, especially in um, Ferrari's case, have gone backwards since last year, um, and maybe even Red Bull if you looked at their quality performance yesterday. Um, yeah, so uh, it's not. It's not a case of. Um, oh, well, they look even better than they are because the others are bad. Well, the others shouldn't be bad. They should be better and they should be closer. So, um, yeah, it's just they've just been mighty. Mercedes has been, they've come out of the box. Well, I say out of the box, they had half a year off, as everyone did. But, um, yeah, they've just been unbeatable for these first three races. And I don't really see it stopping anytime soon. We go to Silverstone next for two races. That car's going to be ridiculous around there. So, um, yeah. Uh, it's it's just them being good. So, sorry, folks. <laughs> yes, sorry indeed. Uh, going back to the original point of can Mercedes be faultless throughout the year? Can they do the unthinkable and go unbeaten, something that hasn't been achieved before? I think the only team that can stop Mercedes are Mercedes. And that's not more shade on Racing Point. I literally mean Mercedes are the only team that can stop Mercedes. <laughs> They're just too good. They're too quick. And I think it would come down to, to them stopping each other, a la Spain 2016, when obviously um, Verstappen took his first victory in Formula One. It only came as a result of Rosberg and Hamilton taking each other out on the first lap. And if we don't see something like that or something reliability focused, and as you've already alluded to, Sam, that very rarely happens with the Merck guys, I can't see, I can't see anyone on pure pace beating them. Or perhaps some sort of chaotic race where someone can out-strategize them. I, again, Mercedes is very difficult to out-strategize. We know Red Bull are fairly good in that department. On pure pace alone, I can't see anyone stopping them. And that might seem a bit uh, in the, a bit of a phrase to say in the moment, focusing maybe on recency bias. I really don't think that's the case based on we've seen them at three races, two different racetracks that are completely different in terms of the characteristics. And the only thing that's stopping them so far has been a penalty applied for Lewis Hamilton and the frailty with the gearbox in Austria. In terms of pure pace, no one's no one's got close. No one's got anywhere near. So yeah, I think this is this is Mercedes to lose. And we know that okay, Bottas's performance today wasn't very good. We know he can be a bit up and down, Hamilton a bit more consistent. If Bottas can fill in for the very off occasion where Hamilton isn't there, like he did in the first race, then I think they'll, they'll cover each other to victory again and again. Just just remarkable what they're able to do here. Okay. Um, as, as I was saying, Valtteri Bottas didn't quite deliver the performance we were expecting from him today. He started P2, had the jump start that wasn't ultimately penalised. We will get on to that. 
Um, uh, in actual fact, he was pretty much penalized, he penalized himself because he was down to about P6 or P7. He worked his way back up to P3, but ultimately couldn't get past Max Verstappen for P2. Sam, I highly doubt you'll be anything but critical here, but Valtteri Bottas, what, what did you make of his P3 today? <laughs> I think Valtteri Bottas finished the race and literally drove his car straight into a massive furnace. And on the top, it was titled Sam's Fire to Burn. You know, Sam wants to burn Bottas's career currently. What are you doing? What are you doing? One, you are leading the championship. After two races, you are the championship leader. You're starting on the front row of the grid. You've got the best Formula One car ever created. Ever created. And you're up against a six-time, potentially now, seven-time world champion. And you're jumping the start. Not only are you jumping the start, but when you finally recover around a track that is a little difficult to overtake on, the Monaco, without boats, as Crofty said, 4,300 times this Grand Prix, um, you know, you get back up into third place. Verstappen's gaps you by 20 seconds almost. And then you get put on this perfect tie. You faster lap after faster lap after faster lap. And you still can't catch Max Verstappen, who's had to have his whole front end changed 20 seconds before the race is about to start. Now, not only is that, I think, poor from Bottas, again, for another week in a row, I have to give full credit to Red Bull and Max Verstappen. Max Verstappen once again showed why he's in a class of his own when it comes to not being in that top car. You know, you, you've got Hamilton, and Hamilton is by far the goat of the field at the moment, right? He is a, a, a whole league ahead. But if you look at the rest of the field, Max Verstappen is, is clearing away the next best driver on the grid. And the results show when you look at Albon Verstappen, Gasly Verstappen, Ferrari against Verstappen, the rest of the grid against Verstappen. The man is driving around on 30 lap-old tyres, and Bottas, who has got the fastest car on the grid, setting lap after lap after lap, still can't catch him with 20 laps to go. Um, and it's, it's just not good. I'm, I'm disappointed. I'm tired of saying it's not good enough for Bottas, because it isn't. Yes, he's doing enough to get Mercedes to construct his title. It's kind of not hard to get Mercedes to construct his title right now. I feel like you could put almost any driver on the grid into that second Mercedes, and as long as they were keeping it on the track... They'd be scoring enough points to ensure that Mercedes are staying in front. They don't need a driver that could potentially ch- challenge for the title right now because Hamilton's doing just fine in leading races and being as dominant as ever. Bottas, if he wants to challenge for the title, if he wants to have his own glory, he needs to be doing better. It just simply isn't good enough from a car and a driver that's supposedly meant to be that good. I pray that it comes to Silverstone and he can challenge Hamilton, which is tough to do because Hamilton around Silverstone is, again, incredibly dominant. So I hope he gets it together. I hope we see a challenge for the rest of the season because Bottas does deserve a bit of glory if he can just become more consistent. And I'm just still baffled by the fact we haven't been looked into the, the jump start. I've watched the video on it. It's clearly a jump start. He leaves his box before the lights go green. But we'll get into it in a bit. But for me, it's not enough for Bottas. Again, sorry. And this this goes back to... <laughs> 2014 to 2016 Mercedes again because I I really do believe that this Mercedes that they've developed for 2020 is the strongest at least in comparison to the rest of the field since that 2016 season if not even the 2015 or 14 season and whenever Rosberg and Hamilton did not finish 1-2 in those three years you immediately go okay why have they not finished 1-2? What has happened? Is it reliability, in which case, fair enough, that occasionally happens? Is it because of strategy, in which case Mercedes, as in the team themselves, need to look at themselves in the mirror? But if it isn't those two reasons, which it wasn't today, 
then you have to question the driver. And Bottas really flattered us. He just wasn't good enough. He wasn't good enough out there. And we're focusing here on the Verstappen versus Bottas incident because he did get up to the back of Verstappen twice and failed to overtake him on both occasions. And those two alone is really poor. But when you factor in the same thing happened with Lance Stroll as well, and it's only because Mercedes had the wherewithal to pit Bottas before Stroll that he was able to undercut him, Bottas couldn't get the job done on Stroll on track either. And Bottas was holed up about one to one and a half seconds behind Lance Stroll for a long time and couldn't get any closer than that, which was which was very disappointing. And he had to rely on the strategy to get past him. He then had was given a lifeline when he couldn't pass Verstappen the first time in terms of the strategy. Pretty much the same strategy they put Hamilton on last year to, to overtake Verstappen. Gets to the end of the race and he still can't get the job done. And he had the time. And, and it's as I said earlier, if they, there is no reason why they should be one and two if strategy and reliability are completely cancelled out of the equation. On pure pace, they should be one, two every single time. Bottas was disappointing. Yes, he did recover to a podium, so it's far from a disastrous result. The, cha- the Constructors' Championship is, is going to be won by Mercedes, and it's going to be won by Mercedes regardless of whether Bottas has a good season or not. If Bottas has an OK season or even a below-average season, I still think Mercedes are going to win the title because they're that good. So from Bottas's perspective, it's all about the Drivers' Championship. The Constructors' Championship, for me, is, is a done deal already, which seems strange to say three races in, but I really do think it's a done deal. So it's down to Bottas. Do you want that Drivers' Championship? Can you do it? And the, the it's his racecraft. We know in terms of on a Saturday, Hamilton's one of the best qualifiers of all time, and Bottas can match him. Bottas can beat him. We've seen him beat him in qualifying on plenty of occasions. That's not the issue with Bottas, and it never has been. It's on consistency, and it's on racecraft where the issue comes in, because Bottas can't get away with only beating Hamilton once every three races. It's it's what we always go back to. Where on his day, Bottas is good enough to win races and beat Hamilton, and he's done it before, and he'll continue to do it. The issue is he doesn't do it often enough. He does it one every three or four races rather than three every four races. And this is, again, proving the point. Great result the first race of the season. Next two races, he comes back and he isn't good enough to beat Hamilton. And if he continues at that, Hamilton will beat him overall. Poor Bottas. (laughs) Are you going to be nice to him, Harry? Are you going to actually sympathise with that performance today? (laughs) No, no, I can't. Um, Yeah. I, I agree with all of all of what you have both said. Um, it's just it's just the the same thing we've seen from Bottas. He can be mighty quick, but yeah, uh, his racecraft isn't amazing. As I, I feel like I'm starting to realise that. I thought he was a better overtaker, but he's not quite as decisive as say Hamilton or Verstappen. And um, yeah, and once he, you know, if he has a bad start or a bad quality, and then Ben, you made this point last week, if it was Hamilton, you'd still trust him to get back on, onto the, you know, maybe the top step. With Bottas, you, you know, you're not confident that he can do that. So, um, yeah, it's disappointing, especially if you were hoping for a title fight. He's got to, he's got to step it up because it's between those two in that car. So, um, plus Bottas, don't let Hamilton win the championship by Belgium. Uh, I mean, there's only three points between them. Silverstone up next. Yeah, they both done well around Silverstone. I mean, but what was surprising for me 
was the attitude of Bottas when he got out of that car. When he, you know, it was head down. It was helmet was not coming off when he was doing everything over by the, uh, you know, the watch and the hat area. When he had his interview, it was so negative. The first was out of his mouth. That was a terrible Grand Prix for me. Like, come on, mate. You've just got to get it together. You've had enough time now at the top of this sport to pull it together. And your consistency is not enough. And let's hope that he, as, as a week off, gets his, his mojo back, as Hamilton has now, and uh, can really take it to the top man uh, at Silverstone at, at his home Grand Prix. It's going to be tough. I think Bottas can do it if he, if he finds that groove again. Uh, I'm actually going to disagree with one of those points in there. And that, and that is that I was actually quite relieved by Bottas's interview after the race. Um, I was quite worried that when he got out of the car, he would give the very typical interview of, it was a great race for the team, double podium, well done on Lewis for getting the win, blah de blah de blah in, increase this <laughs> championship lead, all the rest of it. I, I was quite glad that he was really disappointed with how that Grand Prix went for him and that he knew that his performance wasn't good enough. That at least tells me that he, he knows his, his, he's not up to standard and he knows that he can do something about it. If he was relatively content after that Grand Prix, at that point, I'd be seriously worried. Yeah, that's a very fair point. But again, Silverstone in two weeks' time, double header. Have they got a different tyre compound going on for each race at Silverstone? They do. Uh, yes. Yeah. That would right. That 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 could play a huge part. We've seen tyres were already an issue in today's race. No one really know what tyre was the best tyre to be on, which is always really interesting. So you never know. One might suit one driver, and one might suit another. Who knows? It could be really exciting. And just to stress the point as well, I, I don't I don't enjoy going in on Valtteri Bottas at all. So I, I do think he is a quality driver. The fact that he's right there with Lewis Hamilton in the championship, it does speak volumes. He is a great driver. It's just that he's so close to that next step and he can't he can't seem to get there. I find that I'm less frustrated by, let's say, Alex Albon, because he's nowhere near as quick as Max Verstappen. And Albon can put everything into a race. He can put everything into that problem. He isn't ever going to be quicker than Max Verstappen. So I'm not frustrated by it. With Valtteri Bottas, I know he's right on the precipice. That's what, that's why I'm critical about him. Yeah, just to clarify, I know it's a bit of a meme at the moment. I don't hate Valtteri. I just want so much more from him. I I think, like, you know, when he was at Williams, he was, he was groundbreakingly good. He was fantastic in a car that shouldn't have been there. And... I hoped that he would step up and challenge. I hoped that we'd see a title fight, you know, a real mammoth between like, you know, the, the current great and the newcomer to the team. And he just hasn't really ever delivered that. The fact he went a whole season without winning and that Mercedes is, is, is atrocious. So I'm hoping that he can start delivering from now. We've got, what, seven races to go? So it's uh, without any more confirmed currently, yeah. Uh, so there's still time. There's only three points. There is still time. There is. There is. And I'm sure he'll turn up Porridge Bosch version 67.4 and just wipe the floor clean of everyone. No doubt about it. So with that in mind, driver of the day, worst driver of the day. Let's get on to it. Harry, who's your driver of the day? Um, I mean, you can't look past Hamilton again. He actually wiped the floor, <clears throat> wiped the floor with everyone. <clears throat> just dying, sorry. Um, <laughs> that impressed. But... <laughs> So impressed by Hamilton, I'm dying. I'm choking. Um, I'm going to give it to though, despite the fact that he binned it before the race even started. No, actually, can I give it to the Red Bull mechanics? Does that count? Sure, we'll allow it. Okay, 
<laughs> Max Verstappen's Red Bull mechanics, not Alex Albon's ones with the leaf blower. No, I uh, seriously, I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it to Verstappen. Oh my god, <coughs> Verstappen! It's so good. I'm choking Sorry, again. Um, wow! Yeah. Before, before I die, I'm gonna give it to Verstappen, and I'm just gonna go die in a heat. Bye bye. Well, <laughs> if there's a way you would like to exit this world, it is by giving Verstappen driver of the day. So. No complaints from that front. Sam, who have you got for driver of the day? So it's hard to look away from the top two. Hamilton's pure dominance all weekend was unmatched. Always had control in in qualifying uh, and then brought that to the race. You know, even those slightly dodgy conditions. He had a three and a half second lead by lap one. Um, It was breathtakingly good. And that's why he's won there eight times, which is fantastic. Uh, Harry, of course, has mentioned the staffing and those engineers who did a fantastic job. What a great first lap from Verstappen. Um, got himself up to second place and then managed to hold off the best F1 car we've ever seen uh, on very old tyres. And he showed why he's in a league of his own when it comes to drivers that aren't Lewis Hamilton, essentially. Uh, the guy will be a world champion one day should the car just be that little bit better, no doubt. Uh, I also like to point out Lance Stroll and Kevin Magnussen. Um, I think those two did an absolutely brilliant job. K-Mag with the absolute strategy swap Goat strategy at Haas, you know, went from the full wets, which was just a bizarre choice, to um, coming in on the on the formation lap, putting on the slick tyres, and hello, Haas a third and fourth. Um, brilliant, brilliant choice by Haas. Magnussen makes it work. Grosjean was almost the barrier to, to get him there, but if, unless I'm wrong, he did get his first championship points today in Hungary. Um, I think Stroll did a fantastic job as well. I mean, yes, okay, he wasn't on the podium, but he was fourth place. He beat everyone else but those top three guys who I think had the best chance of being on the podium. Um, fair play to Lance Stroll. I'm going to give it to Lewis Hamilton just because of the absolute sheer dominance. But those other guys 100% deserve a big mention. Let's flash back to oh our last podcast. The preview podcast for the Hungarian Grand Prix. And oh, I know where this is going. Know, yeah, can we mute him? of you who know... <laughs> We often do bold predictions. Celebratory music is indeed required. (laughs) Because my bold prediction going into the race was that Kevin Magnussen would score points for the first time this season. And boy, did he do so. There was no strategic element involved. He was there on pure pace alone because he is box office Magnussen. He brought it out. He responded. He knew that I had him in the points for my bold predictions. And he knew, I know I have to respond for him. I have to do this. I have to do this for late breaking and for Ben Hocking to prove those other two morons wrong. And he did so. <laughs> so well done, Kevin Magnuson. He is my driver of the day. He still did finish about six positions higher than Roman Grosjean and about half True. a minute too. So Kevin Magnuson, great performance. Thank you so much. One nil nil. Bring it on. I feel like be... I've got Jeremy Clarkson's smug face literally erupting from my PC monitor at the moment. Yeah, it's horrendous, isn't it? <laughs> to be fair, I, 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 I agree with um, with Ben on this one. Magnussen, that was a goat strategy, but um, Magnussen made it work in a way that Grosjean didn't. So, fair play. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Magnussen once again showed why he should be the lead driver at Haas. And I think Grosjean just doesn't have that last bit of pace. And the strategy was fantastic. Magnussen did a brilliant job to hold off a lot of cars faster than that Haas. All right, from the very best to the very worst, 
Harry, who have you got for worst driver of the day? Um, couple of contenders here. Uh, one we've already spoken about, Mr. Bottas, because you know that car should have been at least second. And the other one is the other Mercedes. No, no, not Lewis Hamilton. Um, Sergio Perez. Uh, he should have been higher up too, to be honest. So, um, I do you know what? I'll give it to Perez because we've we've hated on Bottas enough, and I know Sam's probably going to pick him anyway. So I'm like, I'm good from Perez here. But <laughs> both, both of those drivers should have been higher up considering their cars. All right, Sam, why is Bottas your worst driver of the day? <laughs> oh, I'll, get to, I'll get to that in a minute. There's a few horrible mentions, but oh. he is the worst driver of the day. Um, Nicholas Latifi was up in 10th place at the start and then literally had the drive from hell for the rest of that race. Um, pointless again. Uh, Russell, don't know what happened to him at the start. Pointless, which is a shame because I was really rooting for him. Perez, rightfully called out by Harry. Um, you got out drove by Lark Stroll, man, by a massive portion as well. Lark Stroll proved his goat stroll, and that puts all the haters to bed. Sebastian Vettel will take your spot now, Perez, because you've had one terrible race. Uh, but the worst driver of the day is Valtteri Bottas. I've explained it why. I don't need to go into it again. He needs to get good, son. Thank you. Needs to get good, son. Thank you. Wow, that rounded off that point. Um, I'm not going to pick Valtteri Bottas on this occasion, although I can't deny he is a contender for it. I'm going to agree with you, Harry. I'm going to go with Sergio Perez. I was really disappointed that he couldn't offer more in this Grand Prix and indeed in qualifying as well. We know that Sergio Perez, more often than not, does get the better of Lance Stroll in qualifying. In fact, I think since they've been teammates, Lance Stroll's only out-qualified him maybe three times, of which twice has been in the last two weeks. He just he just didn't respond. It, it was a really poor qualifying performance. And it's not as if he was ahead in Q1 and Q2 and then Stroll pipped him to the post in Q3. Stroll had the advantage over him in pretty much all the qualifying sessions throughout the weekend. So... It was disappointing Saturday and Sunday didn't get much better for him. He had a really poor start to the Grand Prix. We know that's obviously not great in in any race, but at a race such as Hungary, where overtaking is particularly difficult, the start does become ever more important. And Perez just didn't respond to that. And much like Bottas kind of faded as they went into turn one, he did at least fight back and get a few positions, but seemed to be on the end of a train for much of the Grand Prix and didn't make much of an impression on the drivers ahead, such as Vettel and Albon. So, yeah, I'm going to give it to Sergio Perez here. I, I, I obviously had him down as a podium uh, going into the race, and based on the pace that the car had, that was definitely achievable, and he didn't achieve it and wasn't really that close to achieving it either. So, Perez for me. So, Perez, Perez, Bottas for worst driver of the day. We'll move on and we'll move on to the Max Verstappen incident. So uh, it's not something we really comment on very often because it doesn't happen very often. Max Verstappen on his lap to the grid binned it at turn 12, I think it might have been. I can't remember the exact corner it was. Um, went off into the barriers. The Red Bull mechanics somehow managed to get that car in a position to race in about 10 minutes Impressive stuff from them, but not so impressive from from Verstappen himself. A, a really surprising one. Harry, what did you make of the incident? Uh, bizarre. Uh, uh, you don't see that very often. Uh, the last time we saw it was Grosjean, I think, at Brazil 2016. 
and that was pouring down with rain. Um, yeah, very rarely this happens. It was just a strange one. He seemed to be really pushing, and you know, it's Max. He's trying to find the the, the grip where where we can on those laps to the grid. But he, there was a shot of him going through the chicane as well, where he he'd almost lost it. And then obviously further on, and he knows the, the limitations of that car at the moment. It's a bit snappy from what we've seen this weekend. So um, yeah, just a bit of a bit of a rookie one um, for Max. We we don't see him make too many mistakes like that these days. So he is a lucky, lucky boy that his Red Bull mechanics couldn't fix a car that quickly. And he, he was lucky the way it went into the barrier. It only you know damaged the wing and broke a push rod I think in the suspension which apparently are easily fixable as it seems um yeah strange one very lucky boy because you know I think most of us thought most of us thought he was already out the out the race so um yeah he won't be doing that again that's for sure yeah he well his, his mechanics managed to save him from any embarrassment coupled with Verstappen himself saving himself from embarrassment by putting together a good Grand Prix but looking at that incident in isolation Sam it was uncharacteristic I guess you could say yeah out of all the drivers on the grid he's pretty much up there with the driver I expect to not make that mistake ever in his career the guy is pinpoint brilliant when it comes to driving an F1 car but Red Bull mechanics show why they are the mechanics one of the best teams of any sport in the world right they they turned around a Formula 1 car in under 10 minutes got on the grid and ready and it was lovely to see not only vocally Max Verstappen paying a tribute to those engineers at the start of the grid but when he finished as well, it was kind of, you know, great job to everyone. It wouldn't be done without you. And it really wouldn't have been done without them after a bit of a silly mistake. Um, there's not much more I can say on it. Silly mistake, but turns around and gets a P2. And, and weirdly, it looked like the car was actually slightly easier to drive because that Red Bull looks like it's been a real handful for both drivers over the last weekend. So good for him. Well done. Great performance. And well done to the team. Yeah, I mean, the absolute effort that they managed to get this turn around in time is just madness. I, I honestly thought he was he was done for. It was a really, yeah, uncharacteristic is the word that I used, and I think that's probably the right one, because he didn't even hit the barriers with... It wasn't a light tap. He, he went right into it. Um, and if this happens at an absolutely wet streaming Monaco, and you just lose it, and you go into into one of the barriers, you say, okay, that's a pretty, pretty awful error. But at the same time, you can understand how it's happened. I know the barriers are miles away in Hungary. I know it's not a Kota or a, or a Sochi track, but it's not as if the barriers are right there by the apex. They're still a fair distance away. So for Verstappen to go into that corner with such speed uh, and to make that error, I, yeah, it's a real rookie error for from him. And, Fortunately for him, he was allowed the opportunity to go out there and make it back for the team. And fortunately for him, he did so. And he put together a great first lap that, that put him on his way. And the, the rest of the race was impressive from him as well. But a bit lucky, a bit lucky. I, I I have no doubt that if it was another team, maybe maybe slightly lower down the grid, they wouldn't have been able to get that car to turn around in time. So he can be very thankful um, and he might want to make a purchase to Moe very quickly uh, and send out some champagne because, um, yeah, he can be fortunate that his team is as good as what it is. And going through uh, onto another incident. So, Sam, this is one you've already brought up. Uh, Bottas did jump the start. He was 
he wasn't penalised for it. In fact, I don't think it was even investigated, which seemed bizarre. He he cost himself really because of the stop start element of that of that start, and I think he lost about five positions in what happened. But uh, Sam, were you surprised that not only it wasn't a penalty, but the fact that it wasn't even noted by the stewards? Yeah, I mean, I'm a little tired of the stewards. The inconsistency and inconsistencies is becoming right. Yeah, laughing up because that's what they are at the moment. They are laughable. Um, that was a clear incident. And even if it just came up on the screen, as skewers have noted, a possible jump start from Valtteri Bottas, no further um, investigation required. Fine. Fine. At least you looked at it and you've shown the viewer that you've looked at it. But the commentators of the whole race baffled. Absolutely baffled by what's going on. We don't know anything. There's no answer. There's no end result. It's almost like the stewards put a blindfold on for the start and went, Oh, Bottas is five places back. He must. That's fine. Don't bother looking at it. He's had a bad start. And it's once again a classic case of the stewards only investigating something where there's actually not a, a, a direct correlation in the result. If Bottas had jumped the start and stayed in second place, I reckon 95% sure they'll have looked into it. But because Bottas slowed down and lost five places, they went, that's fine. Punished himself. And that shouldn't be the case. The FIA, the stewards, are constantly giving out penalties only when the end result is, is negative. The point is, if you have an unsafe release and you don't cause contact, that's just as bad as having an unsafe release and causing contact. The, pe- the, the issue is the unsafe release, not whether you cause contact or not. So you penalise both equally. And he did the same with Latifi today when he hit science. But Bottas jumps to start, not even warranted, not even looked at. And this isn't the first time he's jumped to start either. You know, he got lightning close in Austria uh, last year, I think it was, if not the year before. Fantastic. Well done him. But he's also done it in Russia. And he actually jumped the start. And he was penalised for it. And why is this not any different? I'm literally watching a clip right now. Stops over his line. Lights go green. Then he carries on. That is a jump start. I don't know what the FIA are playing. I don't know what the stewards are playing at. Getting it together. He's, he's, he's trying to be as good as he can on the start to get ahead of Hamilton. It hasn't worked. Again, you expect better from a driver of his quality. What are the stewards doing? Be more consistent. I think we should have a more open board of regular stewards where things have to be voted on. Uh, I don't know. Something needs to change because it's not going well enough. If you jump the start, you should be penalised, regardless of what he does after that start. Because something like the X Factor. Very good. Yes, you get a golden <laughs> buzzer. Wow, I'd, I'd pay to see that. And we've discussed stewarding multiple times in, in various podcasts over over the past year or so and, and saying that there really does need to be a change at some point. What that change entails is another matter, but it's not working in its current format. Harry, uh, the most recent incident I can think of, which was, which was similar to this, was, was Sebastian Vettel in Japan last year, where he wasn't penalised as well. So I guess there is some sort of consistency in that. Were you surprised that the stewards didn't want to take a further look into this? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a strange one, isn't it? So uh, it's a very similar incident to Vettel, where they jumped forward and then stopped and then went, and both of them lost places as a, as a result. So you've got to think maybe that's why they've not looked into it, looked into it. but the, uh, I think the reasoning behind not even looking into it is because it d- didn't trigger whatever sensor there is in the in the in the grid box, which is that sensor is you know it's not very sensitive, is it? Because it clearly moves forward, um, yeah, as Vettel did last year in Suzuka. So I think they've got to re- maybe rethink that ruling on whether they investigate a jump start because if the 
the sensor should be there for you know things we can't see with the naked eye. We can clearly see that he moved forward, and it doesn't matter if he lost positions off it. That's his own fault. So, um, yeah, there, there needs to be a rethink on that one, I think, because everyone can see it. Yeah, Sam said all, you know the commentators were were baffled by the fact that not even investigated, didn't even look at it. So, um, something needs to change there, and. This isn't because it's Bottas. This isn't the We Hate Valtteri Bottas podcast. But, uh, yeah, he probably deserves a penalty for that one. Yeah, it's a jump start. If you jump the start, you have started before the race has started. That is not allowed. You get a penalty for it. I I really think this is clear as day. And I completely agree with you, Sam. And I know this one splits opinion that the consequences of an action should not be the basis for whether a penalty is applied and how much of a penalty is applied. I think that is absolute nonsense, and I know a lot of people disagree with that. I think David Coulthard and possibly Martin Brundle as well have often said about an incident, there's no reason to penalise them because they've already penalised themselves because they've spun around or they're now at the back of the grid because of the incident that they've got involved with. And I completely disagree with it. Everything should be done based on merit. And if you if you crash into someone and you get you, it's supposed to be a ten second time penalty, you give that ten second time penalty regardless of which car has got off better or worse, or if both cars are in the, you know at the back of the grid. It doesn't matter. That should be applied equally, and the same matters here. It doesn't matter if Bottas ended up the last place after what he did on that first corner. If he has jumped the start, he still gets a penalty, and you wouldn't see this in any other sport. And I know comparisons directly sport to sport are dangerous and aren't always 100% accurate. But you would never get in a situation where in a football match, one team is 4-0 ahead. The team that is 4-0 ahead, somebody commits an awful challenge that's worthy of a red card. And the referee goes, you know what, there's no point sending you off. It's 4-0 with five minutes to go. It's, never, it's not going to matter. You would never get that. You wouldn't get that in any other sport. Yet apparently it applies in motorsport that if you have you know penalized yourself to some degree then another penalty isn't required there there needs to be a change in this from my view the stewarding needs to improve first and foremost but the actual ways in which penalties are dealt i don't think is correct at the moment another thing just on this i think um sebastian vettel in japan did exactly the same thing that bottas did jump start stopped went again outside his pit box was penalized um, pretty quickly within the race as well. He's having a drive-through penalty, I believe. So, I don't think he was. I don't think he was. Was he not? Was he was, let go was, again? Yeah, it was last year. Yeah. So jumping the start, apparently, only if you go full out does that mean that you, you get penalised. Um, that means that you could inch forward five or six times, really, one for every red light. As long as you stop again before the light goes green, doesn't matter where you are on the track. FIA is all out. Stewarding is sorting out. It's, it's, it's not good enough. Is a yoke. Cars were hopping down the track <laughs> before the, the green light goes. Oh dear. Also, I would like to see at some point where Bottas does what he does in Hungary or, or Vettel does what he does in Japan. I would just love to see them go, well, I'm going to get a penalty for this anyway and just take off and just be like 10 seconds ahead of everyone else in the first corner. <laughs> that would be love good. to see it. <laughs> Yeah, if you're going to take the penalty anyway, you might as well take advantage of of what you've done. But um, I, I guess if you if you know there is a possibility you won't get that penalty, then it's not worth it. So we'll move on from that. And the last sort of incident we want to look at is the Albon one, um, 
where he uh, we don't know if he's going to be penalised or if the team's going to be penalised after the race because of the team drying his grid spot. What do you make of this, Sam? Obviously, we don't know that penalty yet, but it seems like a slam dunk. Well, they've been called to the stewards' office. I've seen on Twitter, you know, the official posting of the uh, the complaint. They have been called for for twenty minutes time after we're recording this, which is classic late breaking. Um, honestly, the rule simply states you are not allowed to manipulate the track in any sense. It's as simple as that. The wording is that vague because you're not allowed to do it in any way. Sh- I don't know why they felt the real need to do that. They know their cars better. Get better. Driving and car creation, if you are that worried that you can't beat the teams around you, why are you using hair dryers to dry a track? Everyone's got to go through it. Everyone's got to deal with that. What what gives you the right to be the exception to that rule? It's a stupid result. Because Albon, okay, he started ridiculously out of position, but he fought back. He had a good Grand Prix. He did well. You know, this is a good finish for Albon, considering where we started. Although, in terms of a Red Bull, where the Stafford finished, it's still, once again, a really poor result for the second driver. But at least he recovered to some good points. He's now going to probably have that taken away from him. I think it's an outright disqualification if you get caught for this, although it's not something we see very often, um, which is really unfair. Because I reckon Albert wasn't the guy that turned around and went, Steve, get your air dry. Just stick it around my tires, will you? So it's dry. Cheers. I imagine he had no say in the matter. And Red Bull have probably cost themselves another chunk of points, putting them even further away from the saying. It's not that it matters. But still, they did it. It's stupid. He's going to be disqualified. Ridiculous. I could be wrong on this, but I thought the ruling was made fairly clear a few years back. So with that in mind, Harry, do you think this is Red Bull just being a bit stupid? Or or do you think that they have a loophole in mind that they know is a get-out-of-jail-free card? I Yeah, it's a strange one, this, isn't it? Because if if it's such a clear rule, and I can't, you know, it's not one I've really thought about because you've never never really heard about it before. I've never really heard a team do it. So... You know, Red Bull have done plenty of wet races, and it's, have they not thought of this before? If if they're completely oblivious to the rule, which I would find uh, unusual, um, yeah, it's a very strange one. And and like Sam said, a shame for Albon if it is a slam dunk, which it, it you know if it's caught on camera, it appears it's going to be a slam dunk penalty or disqualification, even worse, because um, he had a good race uh, after a pretty disastrous qualifying. So. Um, yeah, strange from from Red Bull. Whether it was just a breakdown in communication, because it doesn't seem like they were doing it for Max's car, although they were busy trying to fix his car at the time, I guess. But um, yeah, uh, uh, an odd one from Red Bull. And if they have found a loophole, I'm sure they'll, that'll cause arguments as well. So can't wait. <laughs> I'm trying to to work this one out, and I keep coming back to the same conclusion: if they must have an out here, because I I can't get behind the theory that they are stupid enough to think that they could get away with this and, and not have a plan as to how to get out of it. The, the rule, as I say, I, I'm pretty sure is is down, you know, it's straightforward. I don't think it's too complicated to, to understand that you're not allowed to do this. So either Red Bull has been absolutely moronic and, and gone ahead with this, it, it, even with that knowledge, or they don't know it, in which case, why don't they? I can't I can't get behind either of those theories. And the only one I can get behind is that they did this for Albon's car. They would have done it for Verstappen's car if he hadn't put it in the wall. And they have some sort of out. When the FIA come at them and say, hey, look at this regulation, you can't do that. They are going to have a counter to say, yeah, but it does say this. So that's the only thing I can think of. 
that's the only thing I can think of. A really bizarre one. And like you say, Sam, it will take a, a good number of points away from Alban, who, who really needed a result today. Um, and, and Red Bull themselves needed a result too. So um, it would be very disappointing from their perspective if they're taking points away from themselves, not as if Mercedes are doing that as it is. In terms of Alban's performance today, Harry, what did you make of it? Um, it was encouraging. Uh, like Sam says, it wasn't you know on the Verstappen level, which is obviously where we want it to be. But I think he, after such a disappointing qualifying yesterday, um, you know, he definitely he definitely fought back. And yeah, yeah, I don't know whether Red Bull had better pace in the race and it just didn't qualifying. Um, but yeah, he he definitely looked more racy than than he did yesterday. That's for sure. Um, and he he just needs to be just a bit more consistent. Um, there's clear there was clearly something wrong with that car yesterday because Verstappen was only seventh. But um, yeah, I was you know it wasn't amazing, but I was I was pleased that he you know he at least he got a result out of it, got a, got a P five um, because you know even after yesterday people were talking about whether he deserved that driver Red Bull. So for his sake, I'm glad that uh, some a decent haul of points came out of it. Yeah, remains to be seen whether they stay or not. But in terms of Alex Alban's performance, he he knows that he he was worthy of the of the P five at least, regardless of whether it gets taken away or not. I can't. Uh, he was still a minute behind Verstappen. I think it was over a minute. It might have been a minute ten seconds. And if it was anyone else on the grid, we'd be talking about this as if it was a terrible performance that he is that far away from his teammate. But the fact that he qualified so poorly, I know the Red Bull wasn't in a great shape on Saturday, but he didn't make Q3, whereas Verstappen did. Um, He had six positions between the two drivers at the end of qualifying. I can't get behind the idea that this was a great race or even a good race for him. He he did make progress, I'll give him that, but it's it's over a minute to a guy driving the same thing as you. Who's, who, by the way, had a collision before the race started. Not saying that that wasn't Verstappen's fault, of course, but oh, come on. I I really need to see more from Alex Hellman. I really do. And I've been fairly vocal on the fact that uh, people are inflating his performances. The, the two near podiums he's had have been as a result of strategic decisions and safety cars rather than pace alone. I need to see a, a race where he qualifies up there with Verstappen and finishes within, let's say, 10 seconds of him, where they are on the same strategy, and it's on pure pace alone. Because if I don't see that, I can't get behind him being there long-term, to be perfectly honest. Um, I don't like to go in on drivers. We've seen that many times before. I'm usually very kind to those struggling. Long. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it's it's not an excuse to say, well, you've got Verstappen as your teammate. It's not an excuse to say you've got Hamilton as your teammate. If anything, it's a good thing that you've got the best or the second best driver on the grid as your teammate. Because if you turn up and you beat them, you've beaten the best or the second best driver on the grid. Good for you. You're proving yourself. You've got a future in this sport. Albon, despite how bad that Red Bull is, should have been into Q3. Verstappen was in it and struggling, but he was still into Q3 and Alvin should have been closer. Ben's right. You don't get to finish a minute or so behind your teammate. Verstappen, who is struggling all the way through the race in terms of pace compared to the Mercedes, is still 
the one that's putting Hamilton under pressure. There were still conversations on lap 64 where the Mercedes engineers are going, Hamilton, you're going to have to push the gap a little bit just so we're safe from the Stappen because you don't know what's going to happen. If we make a mistake, the Stappen gets us. Can Albert get us? Lewis asks. No, no chance. No, he's, he's literally nowhere to be seen in this race because, once again, he's just a midfield driver driving the second best car. It's not good enough from Albon. The only time he is consistently competitive at the top is when a safety car comes out and he gets played into the strategy, usually because he's got 30 seconds in front of him and 30 seconds behind him, so he gets a free pit stop, and then moans that he's too aggressive because he's gone for the first opportunity possible and there's another accident. The guy throws away any opportunity he gets, and then he isn't good enough when he's actually got to create his own opportunity himself. Fifth place is a bad result still for that Red Bull. He should have been putting... Bottas under pressure, so Bottas can't make that stop onto the hard tyres. If Bottas makes that stop and comes out behind Albon, there's a real chance that Red Bull could have scored 2-3 in this race, not 2-5. It's just not good enough. We had Gasly, who struggled, and we have Albon, who is now struggling. I don't think they're any better or worse than each other. Yes, they're both significantly worse than Verstappen. Verstappen's in a league of his own. And we've always said, you don't need two Verstappens in that car. You just need a second driver that can follow him up that could be within eight to 10 seconds to make sure that strategies don't play a horrid part in terms of how the race is going to unfold. The things can do whatever they want. Every single race. Pick now? Nah, give it two laps. Pick now? Nah, we'll, we'll do it in five laps time. Now nah, we'll wait to see what Verstappen does. Not a problem. They'll always come out on top. I'm disappointed in Albon. I'm losing faith in Albon's ability as a top level driver. I think he could be a midfield driver. I don't know if he's really ready for that top level. But who do they put in there? Do they outright buy someone? Do they hope that uh, their, their young driver program comes through? Because it, it hasn't. Verstappen and Vettel, the only two to really make a real impact. Ricardo did well. Science has potential, but is obviously now no longer in there. Going to Ferrari, a rival. What do they do? I don't know what they do. Albon is currently not setting the world on fire, and I don't know how long he's going to be there for if they continue to have the results that they're having. Well... Before we hate on any other drivers, I think it's probably a good idea to get out of here. Um, Sam, if, if you wouldn't mind wrapping up this podcast. Folks, if you've enjoyed the podcast, the discussions we've had, either share the podcast, get in a review, chat to us on at Breaking on Twitter. We'd love to hear your thoughts about the race. We are always active, always chatting. It's been great to have you along, of course. We will be doing a normal podcast next week, and the week after we'll be back for a Silverstone preview, where we're back for the British Grand Prix doubleheader in race four and five. We're very excited to be there. In the meantime, I've been Samuel Sage. I've been Ben Hawking. And I've been Harry Eid. And remember, keep breaking late. Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.